Welcome to the weekly album anniversary recap show for the week of February 26th through March 3rd. I'm your host, Caleb, or Caleb the Spy, on Twitter and Instagram, and every day on those social media sites, I post about what I call what I call album anniversaries. It's just the anniversary of the album's release date. I don't know why I called it album anniversaries, but I did. A couple years ago, I started tracking some of my favorite albums on my calendar, and it was just a reminder would come up, and it was a good op- opportunity to uh, listen to that album again or just celebrate it in some way. And, you know, in the last year, though, my list has grown. I've gotten a lot of recommendations from people. I went back and I've tracked every album I own, and so I post about a ton of them. Uh, some days, it's it's like 10 to 20, so there can be a ton of them that come up, and It's super fun. I get to hear, you know, what people are interested them about that album. Uh, It's just sometimes it's fun for me to just uh, go back and take that opportunity to listen to an album that I I may not have listened to in a while. And, uh, you know, I don't always have a chance to talk about it a ton on Twitter and Instagram. A lot of times I'm just getting the post ready, getting it out the door. And so I started this podcast as a chance just to you know, talk more about some of these, especially those albums that are celebrating those large anniversaries. And I'm not a musician. I can't play any instrument. I can't always tell you why this production is better than this or why a band did this and this sounded better when it comes to the technical aspect of it. But, you know, I'm a huge music fan. I love all sorts of types of music. You know, probably my favorites favorites are, if you're new to the show, uh, my favorites are ska and punk and some of the alt rock, especially from the 90s. And, you know, in the 90s, I was in the Christian music scene. That was probably my scene up until the early 2000s. And that's when I really started to branch out into other things. And I've continued to do that. And I just love listening to music. And so, you know, uh, this uh, podcast is a chance for me just to chit-chat about music. Uh, if you ever want to be on the show, let me know, especially if there's an album. At the end of the show, I try and preview what's coming next week. If there's something that uh, tickles your fancy, you want to be on the show, let me know, and we'll see if we can work it out. I usually record on a Thursday, Friday, or Saturday night after my kids go to bed, uh, try and get it edited and out the door by Sunday. So uh, that's a little behind the curtains. But uh, if you're interested, uh, listen to the end or jump to the end and see what's coming next week and uh, you don't have to listen to the whole show. Just, you know, jump to the end and, and uh, listen to the preview of next week, and uh, we'll go from there. So uh, sometimes on the show, we'll talk about news. I don't have anything this week, and I always try and just at least mention uh, you what I've been listening to. I do try and listen to a lot of the albums I post about. I can't always get through all of them, but I do. Uh, this week, though, man, the Five Iron Frenzy box set came the week while I was on vacation. It came while I was in Florida. I got to open it up and start listening through it uh, this week. And it is great. It's fantastic. What a job they did with that thing. It's just, it's beautiful. It's sturdy. It's well built. And every album sounds great. I listened to everything up until uh, until The Shakes Apart and the new record that's B-Sides and with one newer song. Although I know some people have heard that song. But every album sounds wonderful. They look great. The whole piece is just such a, it's so on brand for them to put out a box set that's a dumpster. I mean, it's just, it's such a great job. Uh, hats off to them and Unoriginal Vinyl. It 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 really is just a wonderful uh, piece of music collectible. And it's been great. Again, I, I, I work from home currently. Uh, it's, it's I'm, I'm really thankful I get to do that. And so on days where I don't have meetings or if I have a break in my day where I don't have meetings and I'm just heads down on something. I love to put on a record and it was, it was super fun. I'm not going to lie. It was super fun to put on a bunch of five iron records. I got a couple of them last year that they were available in their store. Cause I just couldn't wait, but, uh, it was really, really fun. Uh, for some reason, putting on the live album, uh, the proof that youth are revolting 
that really, I don't know, I got a little giddy about it. I don't even know why. It's not like that's my favorite album by them. And uh, it just, I don't know, something about it just made me, I don't know, giddy is probably the right word. Uh, again, I'm a huge Five Iron fan. They're my favorite band of all time. So maybe it was just that. But it was super fun to get to listen to those albums on vinyl. So that's kind of what I've been listening to in between album anniversaries. With that out of the way, let's jump into said album anniversaries. And we're going to start with the an album from Queen and it's uh, The Works, which was released in, released in 1984. So celebrating a... 40-year anniversary. This was the 11th album from Queen, and it was their attempt to return to some more rock roots. The last couple albums by them had been a little more synth-pop influence in them, and so they were making it, and they were, you know, but they still included some synth-pop stuff in this, and so while they were making it, I think one of the members was like, well, let's give them the works, and that's how they came up with the uh, title of the album. I read that somewhere this week. That That's pretty funny to me. It's it is what it is. So this is their eleventh album, and uh, the this was a, a bit of a controversial album for them. The uh, video uh, for "I Want to Be Free" was really upsetting to people in the United States at the time. I believe it was a lot of Freddie cross dressing and uh, kind of as a housewife and uh, running around with a vacuum cleaner. I think that's what it is. I could have that wrong. They do have an they do have a video like that, but uh, because of that, they ended up not touring behind this album in the U.S. And it was still kind of continued to be, uh, they, this album did not sell well when it came out. They, they had, they had kind of hit a rough patch. And what changed that is, uh, the next year, I think it's 1985, man, if I have that wrong, I apologize, but I believe it was 1985 when they did the Live Aid performance. And then all of a sudden it really pushed sales of this album because if you have not gone back and watched that Live Aid performance, it is the greatest rock performance in the history of rock and roll, in my opinion. I'm a little biased because I really do like Queen, but and that the song the the song that I think really blew people away was Radio Gaga, which is the the first song on this uh, this album, and the way they performed it, the way Freddie controls the crowd, it is mesmerizing. It's absolutely unbelievable. Next to my record player is a little pop Funko of uh, Freddie Mercury kind of doing the Radio Gaga pose, where he's got his fist out towards the crowd. Absolutely wonderful. I love that song. The album is really, really good. Uh, I Want to Be Free is a great song, uh, whether you like the video or not, uh, but it's a great song. And Hammer of Falls also just another really great, great song off this album. And to me, uh, you know, this is just some really great rock and roll. And I actually think this album is a little underrated. So if you like Queen, you haven't gotten gone back and checked out the works, you like good old fashioned rock and roll, this is a great album to check out. Probably a little underrated, probably slips through the cracks because uh, it did not do great when it first came out, I believe. Uh, so yeah, the works uh, by Queen celebrating a 40-year anniversary. The next album I want to talk about is Sin by Poor Old Lou, which was released sometime in 1994. <laughs>
So this was their third or fourth album. It's a little confusing. They released one album with a different name, and then they they switched over to Poor Old Lou, and this was their third album. They had released released uh, Mind Size. I I their first two albums. I mess up the names to them. Uh, Mind Size is what I want to say it is. I'm not looking at it and. Um, Star Studded Super Step, I believe is the name of their second album, or I may have those flipped, uh, but those are their first two albums, and then they released Sin in 1980, 1994, so celebrating a 30-year anniversary. All the albums I post on social media, I try and find a release date or a meaningful date. Sometimes I just don't have it. I don't know one. So then what I've done is I've gone and tried to find, tried to find days where my calendar has less albums, and I'll just throw it on there, and I try and include in my post that it was sometime during that year. And that's what this one is. I don't know when this was actually released. My guess is it wasn't February or early March. My guess is it was sometime in the summer, but I, I do not know. I, I think Poor Old Lou is uh, not just important for me personally. I'll, I'll talk about the, some of that in a bit, but... I just think for what they have gone on, specifically Aaron Sprinkle, what he's gone on to mean to the Christian music scene, you know, he was the producer for so many albums in the the, the late 90s and the 2000s for, uh, for Tooth and Nail, and I think it just cannot be understated, but I, I think this album is also important for just the Christian music scene, the alternative scene. This is 1994. The Christian music scene, in my opinion, has not exploded tooth and nail starts putting out albums i want to say is sometime in 1994 so this is right around that time and the quality of this album is so high it it is to me it is a step forward i know the 77s are good i know adam again is good i know the choir are good great bands uh, solid solid bands to me and this is this is my personal bias you can absolutely think that those bands are better than poor old lou i'm, I'm not going to fight you on that but I think this is a huge step forward. Again, I've said it before. Th- this this was the one of the first bands where I learned all the members' names. I was just diving through the 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 book that I got with this album, the the, the little booklet. And you know, I think the rhythm section on this uh, on this for this band and on this album is incredible. It's Jesse Sprinkle on drums, Nick Barber on bass, Aaron Sprinkle. I think did most of the writing of the 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 music. He is just obviously got a deft touch for writing really unique songs. This album, they are unique. And then Scott Hunter on, I'll get back to the music in a second, Scott Hunter on vocals, another very unique vocals. And that's one of the things that I think really strikes me about this album is that they don't sound like anybody. I, I cannot find a good comparison to them. They, they were They defied the... If you like such and such band, you'll like them because they've got a little funk. They've got some soul, and I don't mean like soul music, but I feel like their music has soul. It's unique. It is them. The great rhythm section, a unique vocals, and I just think they've got this this unique sound. They're not grunge necessarily, but they have some grungy parts. They're not hardcore, but they've got some harder stuff. They write a nice little pop song that's got some nice little hooks to it. Uh, it can Cannon Fire Orange is this really eclectic sounding song. They just are so unique. And when they're on, they are on. You know, on my YouTube music, I will go through and I'll kind of rate songs. I'll kind of like them. There's this little button where you can do it. And almost every song on this album is is rated. And I will say my favorite song by them is on this album, Where Were All of You. And this album comes in at number 43 on my my favorite all-time albums list. I think this their maturity on this album really shines through. Their first two albums are good. This is a step forward. And I think they continued to get better, even though I go back and forth a little on Poor Old Lou. 
Uh, I sometimes think The Waiting Room is my favorite album by them. But I think this album means the most to me because it, it where it came out in my life. I'm a freshman in high school when I find this album. And I just think this album really does shine through as something. It, it's it, the album is diverse. Again, like I said, it's it's not just grunge. It's got it, it's not just following trends. It's doing its own thing. And I just think this is such a great, unique alt rock album. And this album just it puts an imprint on me because it is a little. I don't want to say weird, but it is. It's got some weirder moments. They didn't just shoot this straight-laced alt-rock sound. It's got these kind of weird parts of it. Uh, Cannon Fire Orange is a great example. That is a, a goofy song, but then the song they followed up with is Ring True, which is just this wonderful pop song almost. It's not a pop song. It's still an alt-rock alt song. Uh, Bones Are Breaking is this you know, kind of harder song. I mean, they just do it all. And I think this album really is an imprint on me. I, I put this out on Twitter today. I really think it is an imprint on me. I like stuff that is a little weird, but a little poppy. I think that's why I like ska music so much, is that it can be very, very pop sounding, but it also is really weird. And that's okay. And I really like that. So I think this album is really important for me in what it did. It's it's unique. It's odd. It, you look at the pictures on the inside, they're a little goofy looking. And yet the music that is on this album is great. I've talked way too long about this because there's still a lot of other things I want to talk about. That's that's my thought I, on, on Sin by Poor Old Lou. I, I really love this album and it's a really important album for me. Last comment is what a cool cover. I, there's something about that cover. The yellow background with the, the pink uh, peep. It's just such a unique color uh, cover. I, I really love it. So there you go. Sin by Poor Old Lou. Sometime this year it was released uh, or sometime in 1994. So sometime this year it hits a 30 year anniversary. I took this week to uh, post about it and celebrate it. And I was so happy to listen to it again. I, I listened to it twice. It just su such a great album. Mellow Gold by Beck was also released in 1994. I did actually know the release date for this one, but again, another album celebrating a 30-year anniversary. So in the legends of music history, this is obviously a much bigger album than Sin uh, by Poor Old Lou, but this the album probably doesn't mean as much to me, so I'm going to be a little quicker about this one. This was his third album. It fused rock and hip-hop, folk, blues, and some psychedelia, psychedelia, I can speak, and country. It's got, you know, the kind of ironic and witty lyrics. It's, you know, this iconic 90s album. Loser is a iconic 90s alt-rock song. I, I don't think you can say you're an alt-rock fan of the 90s without at least being fairly familiar with the song Loser. It sold 1.2 million copies, which I think is a lot, uh, so it was a bona fide hit. His third album, uh, I think actually his next one, I, I shouldn't even say. I'm not a huge Beck guy. Uh, I believe his next one is Odalele. 
I'm I should probably just cut this out because I don't know what it is because I think I like that one more. But uh, this is this is solid. Uh, you know, it's a bit of a musical journey. It's weird. It's fun. It's the 90s. If you like those things, if you want a musical journey that you think is a little weird and a little fun and really kind of grounded in the 90s. Yeah, you, you should check this out if you haven't already. I, I love saying that about, uh, you know, an album that sold 1.2 million copies and you've stumbled across my dinky little podcast and you're like, oh, yeah, this this guy recommended Mellow Gold by Beck. I, I should check that out like you already haven't. But it's a great album. Uh, it's a kind of a iconic album for me from the 90s just because I, I I remember listening to I remember taping the song Loser off 93X uh actually which was probably 93 Edge at the time in the Twin Cities that was the alternative rock station I remember uh I remember taking a tape and hitting record when this song came on because uh, I did like it so, uh, this song uh, so there you go Loser was the the big single off this one 1994 also saw the release of Silver by Starflyer 59, and technically it's Starflyer 59's first self-titled album that is often referred to as Silver. Admittedly, I'm not a huge Starflyer 59 fan, so I will just start out by saying uh, you should go listen to the Church Jams Now episode about this album, uh, because Josh, who is uh, the producer of and one of the co-hosts, uh, he is a huge Starflyer 59 fan, and uh, he has a lot of great facts about the album. I know much less about it. Uh, this was their debut from Tooth and Nail, and they've gone on to have an absolutely prolific career. They've put out like 18 albums. They uh, have done a whole lot of variety. I mean, that's the, I think that's that's the note I would give you. I think I talked about Starflyer 59 last week, which it was just this great rock and roll album. This is different. Uh, so my here's my personal take on uh, Silver. I'm just going to call it that by Starflyer 59. I remember listening to this album in the 90s. I think I had this album. I, I cannot be for sure. I don't have it anymore. Uh, so I had to stream it, which is really weird for me. Uh, but I, I just don't. And I think I've looked to go back and buy it. And there's not a great way to do it cheap. And I like this, but it, shoegaze is not my thing. I, I'm just going to admit it. And this does have a very shoegazy feel. And I just, I don't, I'm not into that stuff as much. But if, if you do like shoegaze, this, I think this is a great album to check out. Again, I'm, I'm not probably the best judge of that, but that's the genre it most often gets assigned to. I think this also has a really strong Smashing Pumpkins vibe, maybe even a little slowed down at times. His vocals are not great, I will admit. I think he was kind of trying to figure out how what to do with his vocals. That's going to play into this album a little, but I, I remember listening to this and hearing this in the 90s, and I remember being interested in it. But it just wasn't really my thing. I'm more of a punk rock guy. I can kind of appreciate this album. I really enjoyed my listen uh, to it. So, uh, you know, Starfire 59 continues to be something I'm interested in. And I really want to like them. And I, and I did, again, I did like this. But it's just not my favorite thing. I think this is a very solid outing. It's interesting. It's unique. Uh, I have, I've tried other shoegaze and... 
I was not that interested, but I feel like this is something I would go back to. And I, I feel like I, I don't connect with a lot of shoegaze, but I can connect with this at least a little. So I maybe it's just the place that they have in Christian music that makes me want to be attached to them. I've checked out some of their album, other albums, and I do like them. Uh, it's just not a, a genre or kind of a style that I'm super interested in. So I, I have every single Starflyer 59 album in my calendar, and I'm excited to kind of try and engage with all of their albums on their anniversaries and really kind of take a deeper dive into Starflyer 59 over the years. But this one, again, I think it's good. I will say the shoegaze stuff, especially this album, a lot of it just kind of runs together for me. I guess that probably is a bit of a lack of familiarity. My guess is somebody who's really into them wouldn't have that uh, happen to them as much. Uh, so there you go. Starflyer 59 uh, by Starflyer 59. Technically, the album often referred to as Silver. All right, we're going to do a little bit of a uh, Christian ska corner here because there was three albums I posted about this week that all celebrated somewhat big anniversaries from kind of these lesser known Christian ska bands. I'm going to go fast through this. First one is Please Do Not Reveal the Ending by A Billion Ernie's. This came out sometime in 2004, and it's good ska chords. This kind of mix, uh, again, I don't love hardcore music, but this is a, I'd call this ska chord. It's got a little bit of hardcore. It slows down at times. It's got some good ska stuff. Totally worth checking out, although I think these, I think this can be hard to find. I I have all, uh, all three of A Billion Ernie's albums, and I, one of them, at least one of them was kind of tricky to find. It may be this one. The rest of them, I think, were fairly easy to find. I had to get a couple of them off of eBay uh, later in life. So this came out in 2004. I don't think I said that. Sorry. So celebrating a 20-year anniversary. That's an interesting thing about all these ones I'm going to mention. That is the oldest one, 2004, when Ska is dead and buried in most music circles, but there was still the occasional Christian ska band uh, pushing through and and finding life. So there you go. The next one I want to talk about is Poison Gases for the Masses by Adam Bender, which came out in 2009. That's uh, per Bandcamp. And this is only five songs. This is solid. It's got a, at times I feel like it's a little more power poppy than punky, maybe. I don't know. And I think it's free on Bandcamp. And I believe it's available on streaming. So Adam Bender is the name of the band. And they have a couple albums, but this is like kind of a little EP, Poison Gases for the Masses. I think they have one full length and then they have this. Maybe they have more. I don't know. All right. One more then is Skamikaze. They had two albums that were talked about during the week. One is an EP, which was a Big Gulp. That came out in 2009. Also like the Adam Bender one. So celebrating a 15-year anniversary. Some It was sometime in 2009. So that's the one that was celebrating a big anniversary. But then I also just talk about both of their albums when I post about them. And uh, it's the it's their self-titled that came out in 2010. It's pretty solid. Again, Skamikaze is the name of the band. So it's the name of the album. And I will say, you know, of the lesser known Christian ska bands, especially one for putting out something in 2010, this is actually fairly polished. And, you know, that's 2009, 2010. That's 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 kind of weird that they're still you know, bands kind of finding life in in the Christian scene, uh, doing the, the ska stuff, uh, 2009, 2010. So those are all, I think both of their, everything by Skamikaze is available on Bandcamp for free still. So you can go check that out if you want. And yeah, it's worth it. If you're like, if you like the ska stuff and you want to continue to discover some of those lesser known Christian ska bands, uh, this is the podcast for you. And I will try and highlight them, but they, they've, all three, three of those had kind of big anniversaries, so probably won't be on the show again for quite a while. 
a couple other albums that celebrated larger anniversaries, but I'm, I'm not going to go into such detail with them just because I'm, I'm not going to have the time. This is already running a little long. Uh, one was The Trigger Code by The Trigger Code, which was released sometime in 2009. Actually, I think I did know the date of that one. I can't remember totally, uh, but it's Taylor Sorensen. I know him from Indelible Grace, and I think this album's really beautiful. It's got a bit of a U2 feel. I think it's a little tricky to find. I think it's on streaming, so uh, the trigger code from 2009. So that was a 15-year anniversary. The 2024 is throwing me off. I said it once last week. I said it was a 24 anniversary instead of a 25-year anniversary because it was released in 1999. The 2024 is throwing me off, but... There you go, The Trigger Code. And they actually put out an album with somebody last year in 2023, which I thought was pretty good. I like this one better, The Trigger Code. They're self-titled. Weezer, the Black album came out in 2019, so it's celebrating a five-year anniversary. I did not get a chance to re-listen to this because new Weezer in general, it doesn't do a ton for me. So, uh, but I wanted to mention it. And then... Uh, Union is the album, I said it law, I said that was the band last week, A Union by Future of Forestry came out in 2009, so also celebrating a five-year anniversary, and this is an instrumental. Uh, not all their albums are instrumentals, I believe, uh, but I like instrumental albums, and this was, that was good. It was an interesting listen. So that was another uh, one of the albums that was making a big anniversary, Union by The Future of Forestry. Actually, it might just be Future of Forestry. <music> Tons of albums, though, that we could have talked about this week or that that were celebrated this week. Uh, I'm just going to run down some of the ones that I checked out this week. Nora Jones, Come Away With Me from 2002. This was a big deal when it came out. I remember this just being huge. I think she won a ton of Grammys or something. I don't know. But I remember this being a real big uh, thing. And it's, yeah, it's a, still after all these years, it's an enjoyable listen. It's fine. It's got some highs. It's got some lows. It, it's, you know, if you're looking for something calm, it's good. Uh, to listen to. Child 18.3. I don't have the year written down for this. Good job, me. It was their debut probably sometime in 2000. I want to say 2006, 2008. I don't know. Uh, this is uh, this is this is interesting to me. So they're a Minnesota punk group. Uh, the first three songs are really solid, and a lot of the rest of it is just okay. Uh, Ditches is particularly annoying, if you ask me. Minnesota group, uh, this is how out of the Christian music scene I was. I had no idea this came out until a couple years ago. I was out of the, I was so out of the Christian music scene by the time this came out that, uh, you know, this punk band that went on to be a fairly big deal, I think, in the Christian music scene. I mean, not, maybe not a big deal, but I mean, they, they, they were movers and shakers for a little bit, that uh, Christian or children 18-3. I was so out of the Christian scene by that point that... I totally missed miss this, so uh, there you go. Goldfinger's debut album was released in 1996, and I have a soft spot for Goldfinger. I don't know what it is. You have to deal with the swears to get through this one, but I really love those first couple Goldfinger albums, and their new one, uh, their most recent one, was really good, too. I think it's great that Mike Carrera is in the band, and I still unabashedly, without a shame, can listen to Goldfinger and totally dig it, especially... Those first three albums, first two albums for sure, I I can totally get down with Goldfinger. I always think it's funny when album uh, bands have uh, kind of a bunch of albums that came out in the the similar time frames. It's just like every two years they always release an album in January. Well, uh, U two had three albums 
this week that we celebrated. And they were all over the the, the map here. Uh, so we have a No Line on the Horizon, which came out in 2009. So that's another one that celebrated a big anniversary. I don't own it. Uh, so I didn't listen to it. And I just really don't didn't have a ton of interest in it. Uh, but War uh, was the other one that was celebrated this week. One of the other ones that was celebrated this way, week came out in 1983. And man, it's great. I I did not appreciate this album as much until recently. And ooh, I really enjoyed listening to it. And Pop, I don't have the year written down. My apologies. Uh, I like this. Uh, I, I know it was not an album that hit big. but well, I think it was. I think it hit big, but it wasn't a critical uh, success that they were hoping for. I still totally dig the album Pop. I don't know why, but I do. Uh, so I liked it. I'm not going to say much about them, but there was a greatest hits album by The Clash, which is called The Story of The Clash, which was really good. And then a Bruce Springsteen greatest hits, which is also good. I love a good greatest hits album. Um, so those those were celebrated this week. The interesting thing about the one from The Clash is that it actually came out on February 29th in like 1988. So it's actually the only album I own that I know the release date, and it's February 29th. So I thought that was that was kind of fun. <music> Officer Negative and Ludwig. Lug Nut, not Ludwig. What is wrong with me? They put out a split EP sometime in 2000, and it's eight songs, it's 16 minutes, it's 2000s punk. You should check it out if you like those things. <music> King's Kaleidoscope released Asp's arrows is i i do not say that title right i don't it came out in 2012 it's wonderful it's all like it's four hymns four or five hymns it's absolutely stellar it's one of the reasons i love king's kaleidoscope hymns rule you should go check that album out it you're not going to be able to spell it based upon how i said it asps that can't be right i am horrible at this but uh, it's a great album by King's Kaleidoscope, 2012, and yeah, it's got like it's got hymns. It's just it's wonderful. The every version they do, if it's not my favorite version of that hymn, it's definitely a really good version of it. Really good stuff. I I kind of wish I know I like their new stuff, but I I kind of wish they'd throw a hymn on uh, their albums every now and then. It's I, I I miss it. I miss it a little. I just makes me want to snuggle up with a blanket. This is getting weird, people. Who's still listening at this point? No one. That's that's why it can get weird. The Cranberries released Everybody Else Is Doing It, So Why Can't We in 1993. This was their debut, I said with great confidence. Uh, the big songs of this are Dreams and Linger, which Linger is their biggest hit ever. And uh, this was huge. It was really, really huge. I think this was probably bigger than Beck's little 1.2 million albums and probably bigger than poor old Lou's sin <laughs> take that poor old Lou uh this was huge and I really enjoyed listening to it I I really did it was really fun to listen to this week the choir released free flying soul in 1996 I think this was their biggest album it's got a really unique and interesting album cover this did win them a double award i want to say grammy but i don't think it did that it was a double award so it was i think one of their more successful albums and it's super enjoyable easy listening easy to listen to alt rock it kind of the the 90s easy to listen to alt rock just great great stuff i really enjoyed listening to it i don't know if i had listened to this uh all the way through before but there you go free flying soul by the choir 
Dime Store Heist, uh, How to Program a VCR. This is another Christian Ska band. Uh, this is 2010. They didn't have a big anniversary, so I didn't uh, put them in that uh, little section. And again, how did this come out in 2010? I, I just It's amazing to me that there were still Christian Ska bands putting out stuff in 2010. The highlights in this album are really, really great. Some of it's not as good. It picks up in the second half. But this is uh, enjoyable to listen to. I really enjoy Dime Store Heist. I think this is the only album they put out. As far as I know, this is the only album they put out, but uh, pretty solid in my opinion. Master of Puppets by Metallica was released in 1986. Widely considered one of the greatest metal, thrash metal albums of all time. This is their third album. Most people consider it their best album, I think. And I listened to it, and I'm not a big heavy metal guy, but yeah, you you can kind of understand why people like this one. We Cool by Jeff Rosenstock was released in 2015. I love Jeff Rosenstock, absolutely. I mean, he is probably, if you talk about active, and I'm not counting Five Iron as active, they're only semi-active. If you talk about active artists jeff rosenstock is probably my favorite active artist this is his first solo record it's four years after bomb the music industry's vacation which really is the transition to his solo career he did like a mixtape in there but i it's it was really interesting to me that it took four years from vacation which i believe was released in 2011 although i now i'm doubting that and and it took at least a couple years before this came out and uh, again, he had a mixtape in there that I actually don't love that much. And this is better than Post. So if you're if you're counting Jeff Rosenstock albums, Post is probably my least favorite of his albums. So this is better than that. I think he's just continued to get better and better. Uh, Worry is still his the the gem of his career, in my opinion. I think Hell Mode is gonna reach up to it maybe or, or kind of hit the, some of the heights that uh, Worry did. But Worry still is the best. Uh, but I really I really enjoy this album, uh, Nausea. Again, it's sensitive topics. If uh, if you're not into the curses, uh, you probably should stay away from Jeff Rosenstock. But n- nausea, especially, is a real, really, is a gem in m- my opinion. And just so we're clear, there's this, there's so many other albums that I post about this week that I didn't get to talk about. Uh, Flatfoot Fifty Six had one. Uh, Chase Tamarin, I, I'm so, sorry if I say his uh, name wrong. He's a Christian music artist that's kind of doing uh, music. Uh, his album is going to get posted about tomorrow. I'm recording this on Saturday night. I just haven't had a chance to get to it. Uh, you'll find a lot of times the albums that get I don't make it to are the albums that come out on Saturday and Sunday, just because. It is what it is, so sorry about that to these artists. I just haven't had a chance to listen yet. Under Oath, David Crowder Band, Macklemore, and Ryan Lewis, No Effects, Yellow had two albums that were celebrated this week. Gorillaz had one, Nora Jean, Rocky Mountain Music, and Pink Floyd, uh, The Wall, all were also celebrated this week. I just haven't had a chance to get to those. I'll try. It, the Five Iron Box set probably got in the way of this week, and there's just times where I'm not in the mood to listen to it, and so... It just happens. I know I try and listen to as many of these that I celebrate, but can't get through it all. It's understandable. It was a solid, solid week. You know, and that's that's it for the week of February 26th through March 3rd. I know I'm running a little long, uh, but I'm going to talk about next week, and uh, this might be part of the show. I'm, I'm going to try and actually make a transition here where I talk about next week, and I'm not just going to mention artists. I'm going to actually mention some of these albums. So this is going to take a little longer. Uh, my hope for doing this, though, is that people hang on, and if you're interested in this show, you can kind of get a preview for what's coming out next week, and I honestly, 
I'd love to have somebody on the show and join me. So if one of the albums I talk about, especially the big ones, I'm going to go through a lot of them here. I am going to go fast. I don't know how this is going to work because before I was just kind of shouted out the artist. I actually wrote down like the, the actual titles of the albums now. So I'm going to talk about a lot of them. At the end, I'll talk about the big ones. If you're interested in talking with me about one of those big ones, let's try and make it work. I'd love to have you on the show. Although next week's a weird, <laughs> next week is a weird week. Next week might actually be a shorter week. What What are the chances of that happening? as I've just made the show longer and longer every week. So here's albums we're going to talk about next, or I'm going to post about uh, throughout next week. Third Day's Offerings 2, uh, Flame, A World Redeemed. I really love that album. The New Frontiers by Mending. I think that's, uh, I got those right. That's a recommendation that came from somebody. So I think it's The New Frontiers and Mending. Came out in 2008. Amy Grant's Heart in Motion, released in 1991. I am talking about that on next week's show, even though it'll be brief because it's not a big anniversary. Jars of Clay, The 11th Hour, came out in 2002. And Arcade Fire's Neon Neon Beeble, Neon Bible, came out in 2007. Tiger's Jaw, they are a band out of Philadelphia that I really enjoy. I Won't Care How You Remember Me came out in 2021. That's their most recent album. And then Chevelle's Naritas also came out in 2021. I probably said that wrong. My apologies, Chevelle. I know you're listening because we're tight. We're tight like that. March 6, 2007 is an interesting day. You've got, I'm going to mess this up, uh, Dace Vale released All the Horses Look the Same. Reliant K released Five Score in Seven Years. A Greatest Hits album by Notorious B.I.G. came out. Life in Your Way by Walking Giants. And then Glory Revealed by uh, various artists. All came out on March 6, 2007. What a fun day for music, especially if you like the Christian music. I think four of those are Christian music. Uh, but Reliant K, uh, five, five score and seven years came out. I know that is a favorite of many. Uh, no, that's not the mm-hmm is the favorite. This is the one that's in between mm-hmm and the other one that I can never remember the title for. I, for a long time, five score and seven years was my favorite album by them. It might be getting replaced. We'll see. All right. I still got more. I know I'm, just, I'm trying to figure this out. If this gets too long, Soulfu 76, you may not have ever heard of them. Veller came out sometime in 1997, so we'll celebrate that next week. R.E.M. Into the Now, that was their last album. Dave Bazan's Care in 2017. The Mighty Mighty Boston, Ska Corps, The Devil and More, 1993. Altitude is an album by Yellow Second. They're uh, by Scott Kerr, who is the guitar player and now bass player for Five Iron Frenzy, 2005. Sing the Blues by Pigeon John. I messed that up. It's Pigeon John Sings the Blues, an album by Pigeon John released in 2005. Uh, the Great Renown, this is an album, this is just a song by Poor Lou, but I love Poor Lou. came out in 2013. If you never check that out, it's free on their Bandcamp page. You should go, I think it's free. Maybe it's not. Either way, you should go check it out. Uh, the Great Renown, the last song they put out. Tearing at the Seams by Nathaniel Ratcliffe. Uh, is, or Ratliff. is that with the Night Sweats? I don't think it is. Bad Notes by me, sorry about that. I think that's actually a solo album by him. The Joshua Tree, released in 1987. The Absolute Best of Carmen. That is a greatest hits album by Carmen. It's the only Carmen album my own. I don't need more Carmen in my life. Uh, that's that's plenty. 1993. Broken Bells, their self-titled debut, 2010. The World is a Thorn uh, by Demon Hunter. FM is by The Skints. Uh, Late Stage Capitalism by Jeremy Menzinger. And then Love Song by Love Song. It's released in sometime, sometime in 1972. That's an interesting one. I have no idea how that got onto my calendar. Plank Eye released The Spark in 1995. That's an album that we will I'll post about next week. Brutalism by Idols. 
and Heartworms by the Shins, 2017. So those are some of the, the, I mean, again, this is how full this calendar gets. It's I know it's just me reading stuff, but if you know any of those pique your interest, that's exciting. You can get excited for those next week. Okay, here's the big ones. Borderlands by John Mark McMillan, 2014. So that's celebrating the 10-year anniversary. The Grand Budapest Hotel soundtrack was released in 2014 as well. I'm not going to talk about that one on the show, but I love Wes Anderson. So I have a lot. Of, I think I have almost all of his soundtrack, the soundtracks from his movies. So uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel, Grand Budapest Hotel, uh, my favorite Wes Anderson movie. And Wes, Ander is, Wes Anderson is definitely my favorite director. Uh, it's Blitz by the AAS was released in 2009. So that's celebrating a 15-year anniversary, I said with great confidence. Uh, Queen 2, released in 1974, so that's a 50-year anniversary. Is that right? 50 years? Holy cow. Queen 2 by Queen. Brutal Youth by Elvis Costello. I might talk about that one. I've skipped over uh, some of the Elvis Costello ones of late, but that one's a little more punk rock, so I might I might do that one. Uh, Super Unknown? Super Unknown. <laughs> I'm really good at reading. By Soundgarden, released in 1994, so that's celebrating 30 years, right? Yep. The Downward Spiral by Nine Inch Nails, also released in 1994, celebrating a 30-year anniversary. Worldwide Favorites, that's a compilation album by Adam Again, released in 1999, so a 25-year anniversary. I probably won't talk about that one. And then Burning Bridges by Haste the Day. I believe they're a metalcore album, uh, band. Uh, not really my thing, but I'm sure people will be excited about that one. That's a 20-year anniversary released in 2004. So that's what's coming next week. Uh, it might be, a, I might be able to actually keep the show a little shorter next week. We'll see. Uh, none of those that are celebrating big anniversaries are real important albums to me. Sorry, I know that's a bit of a letdown. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, we kind of might breeze through some of those a little quicker. Uh, probably the one that jumps out to me is The Downward Spiral by Nine Inch Nails, and that's really not that important of an album to me at all. Uh, maybe it's Blitz by the Yeah, Yeah, Yeah is, is, a, is one of the other ones. So I, uh, I might spend a little more time. Uh, you know, this is this is the kind of the interesting thing. Uh, the content on this show is very much dictated by the schedule. And so, you know, the Joshua Tree and to be honest, the Spark by Plank Eye. Of all the albums I read off there, I believe that's definitely the biggest one to me. Oh, five scores in seven years. Those are the two big ones for me. Uh, for sure is uh, those two. So sometimes the, the content on my show kind of just gets dictated by the schedule. Uh, so be it. It's the the life I've chose uh, as I've gotten into this album anniversary thing on Twitter and Instagram and uh, on this podcast. So I, I've chosen my, I've picked my poison. So be it. All right, that's it. That's the show. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, the music that you hear at the beginning and the end of this show is Sing It Out at Street Level by Peg and the Rejected, which is members of the Dinsies. They have a m number of different incarnations, and this is their their ska band that they, they do, where they just fo mostly focus on ska tunes. It's available on Bandcamp. You should go check it out, Peg and the Rejected. Thanks for joining me this week. Let me know what you think. What did I get right? What did I get wrong? What were your favorites from the week? I don't think I had any, uh, you know, takes. Like last week, I, I didn't, I wasn't super nice to Audio Adrenaline. My apologies. I, I know a lot of people really love them. They just don't do it for me. I don't know why I'm re-bringing it up just so people can get pissed at me again. That was really foolish of me. But, you know, what did I get wrong from the week? What? Why am I totally off on stuff? What are your favorites from the week? I think a lot of people feel the same way about Sin by Poor Old Blue that I did. Can you tell that that was the album that really meant the most to me this week? Because I talked about it a lot. Uh, let me know if you checked out any of those other Christian ska bands. Uh, my my Christian ska people, we got to represent. Uh, I am not ashamed at all that I love ska music and that I love Christian ska music. 
I am not ashamed and uh, I will not back away from it. If you checked any of those out and you liked it, let me know. Uh, I love it when people check out stuff. There were at least two people. Gosh, this is getting how oh, I was not going to go long. There were at least two people that I think were not familiar with Poor Old Lou or but when I called it one of the great alt rock albums, at least checked it out. I hope they liked it. I I really love Poor Old Lou. I think they're really a unique sign. I hope people checked out. I think at least a couple people fired off that they checked out some of those Christian ska ones. Great. I love it. I love it. Go check that stuff out. Let me know what you think. And I don't know why I'm going on about this. I'm. Uh, it's getting late and I'm getting loopy. This tends to happen. I'm kind of an early riser. So being up late after my kids go to bed, maybe not a good idea. And now I got to start editing this. I really need to do it so I don't have it all to do tomorrow. All right. Oh my gosh. I still need to finish the outro. What's wrong with me? You can find me on Twitter at Caleb the Spy. No spaces. I'm also on Instagram. It's Caleb the Spy, and I've got underscores in between those words. Uh, you can also email me. You can always email me at Caleb the Spy Podcast at gmail.com. No spaces or underscores in that. And especially if there's albums that should be on my calendar, I'd love to get an email about it. I'll try and find a release date. Uh, a couple of people hit me up in my DMs uh, this week and, and, had suggestions a couple of them actually were included this week because i couldn't find a release date and i had you know uh, spots on the calendar that i tried to get them on so if you have albums that should be on my calendar hit me up i will try and add them and i'll try and post about them i'll try and keep up with posts it's getting it's getting tricky i'm having to work at it almost every day for at least a little bit just to try and keep up uh if you're so inclined leave a rating or review of this podcast you you can rate it poorly if you have to i, I understand people i understand I don't think I would rate this very highly. So feel free to rate this however you you really feel like it should be. Uh, I, I think it's an effective way to spread the word about podcasts. Maybe even negative reviews are. There's no bad press, right? That's what they say. Uh, most of all, I just want to say thanks if you engage with me at all on social media. I, I Like I just said, I, I put a lot of time into setting up the daily posts, even if it's super brief. I know it looks like there's it's just this snippet of information I've gotten. So it's just title, art, artist you know, number in their chronology and a picture. I I I know it seems like nothing, but it does take me a quite a bit of time. So I really do appreciate it. Retweet them. If there's something you're excited about it, don't just tell me why you like the album. Tell other people. And that passes the word on uh, about about my post. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to, to push through and push the numbers up. I'm getting close to 800 followers. It'd be really cool to cross that line. Retweet them and tell, you know, when I ask the question, what do you appreciate about appreciate about the album? Retweet it. Tell tell other people uh, so they can they can join in in the conversation because that's the best part of music. No, that's not the best part of music. Music is the best part of music. That was that was profound. That's the way to end the show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Let's talk about, oh, I didn't write it down. Oh, I did. Okay. Oh, gosh. Three, two, one.